Who's tired of bad news? Don't you just want something that makes you smile, laugh, or feel good? Whether you start your day with this podcast or listen when you need a mood boost, your daily chocolate is a quick, calorie-free way to feel good. In less than 15 minutes, you'll hear funny stories, clean jokes, and interviews with inspirational people. Your host, Patty Deutsch, is bound and determined to counterbalance all the negativity that's out there today. Just give yourself a moment to indulge in these bite-sized stories. It'll be good for you. Well, we've all just survived the Christmas season, or the season of joy, and probably the season of hope, which is New Year's Eve, correct, as we all start planning for the new year. And so I'm really thrilled to have my first episode of Your Daily Chocolate featuring somebody who's actually in the hope and joy business. And no, it's not Santa Claus. Betsy Bierne is a nonprofit executive with more than 25 years of organizational leadership experience. She's currently the CEO of Make-A-Wish Greater Bay Area Foundation. And actually in her spare time, she serves on the boards of other nonprofits. Uh, Believe it or not, her dream is to win the lottery so that she can become the philanthropist she has always wanted to be. I'm thrilled to welcome Betsy to the show, and I hope you enjoy her interview. Betsy, I'm so glad to have you here with me this morning. Thanks. Good to be here, Patty. You've got this incredible background of a lot more than a decade of working with nonprofits and with Children's Hospital Oakland and now Make-A-Wish, and a lot of this has been you know, obviously working with children, sometimes in very heartbreaking situations, but the work that you do is actually heartwarming. So tell us a little bit about why you do this. Right. I'll give you a quick little bit of background on how I even got into this whole career, because it is about children, but it's also about, it's actually about health. Okay. And, and um, my father, who was a physician would say, and it's about medicine. My dad was a physician and I grew up frankly, in hospitals. I used to go Saturday morning on rounds with my dad. And partly that was to get out of my mom's hair for a weekend morning and give her a break. But my dad was a community physician and we would go do rounds in the hospital and he introduced me to his patients. And he also would pull me aside and and often explain, if we're going to go in and see Mrs. Jones, you're going to notice, sweetie, that I'm putting my hand on her arm. And while I'm doing that and it will comfort her and make her connect with me, I'm also feeling her skin. I want to feel if she's clammy, if she's like, I'm getting some physiological things out of this too. He taught me that. And when he died, the memorial service we had uh, was an overflow crown. Mm. All the physicians were outside of the building because they run late and they were all late. (laughs) But as people were saying goodbye and thank you at the end, I had so many patients come up and thank me for sharing him with them. Wow. And that struck me of, I hope when I go that people thank my kids. Yeah. That they shared me, that I did something that impacted people's lives and that I was a friend. More people said your dad was my friend besides being my doctor. So in the midst of that, and I always thought I wanted to be a doctor. And then my dad said, uh, well, sweetie, like like me, you're an English major. And so how about you get through organic chemistry first and then we'll talk. Ah. Okay, so that didn't work out quite well, um, just saying. Yeah. 
so I thought, okay, well, what can I do instead? Because I want to have this kind of mission and I want to do something to improve the quality of life. And maybe it's not being a physician, but what else can I do? And I actually fell into fundraising that way. It was like, well, there are all these great organizations that I really love and I believe in in our community. And maybe I could do another side of it. Mm-hmm. And again, my dad said, well, you're quite good at getting money out of me. So if you're good at getting money out of me, maybe get it out of other people. And, you know, I make career was born. Yeah. Right? <laughs> but it was, I can go in and I can help these organizations with great leaders and with great community members to support them, be able to help hone what the vision is and then help make sure it happens, right? Whether it's raising funds, whether it's building the right kind of volunteer leaders, whether it's telling the story of why this is a valuable organization and what it's doing, bottom line, to improve the quality of life. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I've done it. And with children, Prior to the last decade, I was doing this, whether it was for global health purposes or whether it was for public policy or whether it was for a local theater in town. I've worked with so many different organizations that are at that point. We're doing great things. We have a vision for something we want to do, and it's going to take more investment to do it. And so we're going to need help, not only in raising the funds or bringing the people to support it, but one of the roles I used to have when I did consulting and I, and I do it in some ways now, but not quite the same way is you're kind of a partner to give leaders critch. It's a good vision. Keep going. You you need partners with that because it gets very lonely as sort of the top person, you know, I've worked with organizations that there's been one vision and we want to take it to that next level. I could count in my head the number of times I've done that successfully. Yeah. My work at children's Two major goals when I was hired. One was to get us through a campaign to build that second outpatient center. And I drive past it every day. Yeah. It's there. Yeah. It wasn't just me doing that. So I see that that's one. And then the other part was get through a successful merger with UCSF and the names on the building. Those kind of things of I can see the work that I contributed to that there are successes. But I think it's also going to be the the work is never done. I got in the sector because it's about like I'm pretty mission driven. Right. Something that's again improving the quality of life or making an impact on people's lives in a really positive way. So I kind of do that gut check, the the 70 year gut check, I do pretty regularly. Yeah. So I think that's a, that it, it's gonna be a little more qualitative. Well, and I, I would think now kind of, you know, thinking about where you are currently, make a wish, right? Um, am I correct in remembering that back in the day, make a wish was for kids who were terminal. So it was like their last wish. And now it seems like it's for kids that are critically ill, but they actually do survive some of these and go on to have that be a wonderful memory. Our very first wish, Chris Grecius, he had leukemia. And in 1980, 1980, I think was when our first chapter was born, kids who had acute lymphocytic leukemia had a three in 10 chance of surviving. The beauty of medical research is that in 2021, it's eight in 10 kids are surviving that. And it's also gone beyond, we don't just serve kids that have cancers. We're serving kids with all different types of things. And yes, it's life-threatening illnesses. But right. so many of our kids go on. I mean, I think, you know, if you think about what what inspires me in this job every day, I think I've told you this, but we have a very small staff, fewer than 30 people right now. 
And then we have about 650 volunteers. And we have a core group of volunteers of, you know, probably several hundred of those are volunteer wish grafters. They are trained to go and interview the child and the parents and really get to what the actual wish is. They are going back to reveal the wish to the kiddo and then to help build the celebration for the wish before it happens. And I think what's inspiring is that I keep meeting wish grafters who are wish kids or wish parents. Really? Full circle. So so talk about, I mean, we're building a whole alumni effort right now because we have so many families who who want to participate in, right? They want to help. And it's not necessarily because they feel an obligation and they owe us because they don't owe us. We're not doing this for, we don't get fees for this. Yeah. But they're reliving that experience yeah. by giving it to others. And our work at Make-A-Wish, it's very much about witnessing and participating, right? So we have a little adage that says, it takes a hundred hands to make a wish come true. And if you think about it, so we just did a wish the other weekend here in Oakland, we had a wish kiddo, Micah. Her wish was to create an inspirational mural to inspire others. I saw that on the news. Yeah. And her statement was, it doesn't get easier. You just get stronger. Yeah. Right. Okay. I don't think Micah's even 12. Okay, so that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Whoa, right? What was you? I don't know what I was doing when I was 12. I sure wasn't doing that. But what made the wish come together? Was it just her idea? Was it just that this got put up on the Z Hotel? But it was, we had a weekend full of, I don't know, 10 shifts of people coming and helping paint the mural. There's yeah. about eight panels in. And then when we celebrated and revealed and unveiled this, we had a hundred people out there watching and participating, cheering her on. And at one point I, and I saw it on the news that I'm you know, getting everybody to say, the people who were unveiling it could not hear us, by the way. So we had to scream to them, let down, you know, whatever we said, let down the curtain. And we had to, we had to do it twice because they couldn't hear us. Oh, was a drone flying around. <laughs> but if we didn't have all those people there screaming, let it down, it wouldn't have gotten unveiled. And so everybody who was there, including some people who were coming out of like, the diner nearby yeah. got to scream out, you know, let it down. So it was great. And that's what makes it so powerful is, is bringing all those people together. Well, that, and, you know, I think a lot of people probably remember Bat Kid, right? Yeah. Miles Scott, I think, who um, wanted to be Batman for a day and all of San Francisco came together and they think of Make the Wish as being those big, elaborate productions of a sort. But then you talk about, you know, the gal who wants to make a mural. I mean, her wish is to actually give something to the community. It's very different, you know, and I think I've seen you probably have great examples, you know, kids who just maybe want their backyard turned into something that they can access with their disability. Yeah, we had a little guy up in Santa Rosa earlier this year, and he has, uh, you know, really immunocompromised. So he can't even before pandemic really can't necessarily go to playgrounds and he has to be really careful about who he's playing with. And family had a house with the backyard, didn't have the means to really create it. And, and they just wanted a space for him to go out and play with his little brother. Yeah. And our volunteers, and again, with a whole bunch of people helping kind of create a design and create a little racetrack that he could just take his scooter out with and a little water table and some tents so that he doesn't get sunburned. And so on and on. we had a little girl a couple of years ago all she wanted for her wish was to go to a local park with some of her friends and neighbors and have an ice cream party. She just wanted to celebrate. And she also knew that 
they were all affected by her treatment and being in the hospital. And it's not just celebrating me, it's celebrating that we can actually have fun together. Simple and yet so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so meaningful to her. When I was at Children's, we had a, always had groups of people that would call the foundation and say, what can we do to help the kids? And it was coming up on Valentine's Day and they said, you know, can you give us the name of the kids and we could write cards to them? And I talked to her, had a child life. And I said, hey, I've got a group. What do you think about this? And she said, oh, you know what the kids really like? They would like a whole bunch of blank cards. And I said, really? what? What are you talking about blank cards? She said, yeah, because they don't have, it's hard for them to get the cards to write to say thanks to all of their nurses or the environmental services person that cleans their room or the dietary person that brings their Oh my goodness. Yeah. You wonder why I do what I do? Look at these people. Are they amazing? (laughs) I was going to ask you who inspires you, but I I think you're probably inspired every day, aren't you? Oh, you know, it's, uh, isn't it great? It's not just one person. Yeah. It's just these, I mean, it's the stories that I see of what people do. It's just that sort of bit of kindness and grace that comes out of people. Yeah. That uh, they're so unexpected sometimes. You mentioned, you know, people are always saying, what what can we do? What Mm -hmm. can people do? I mean, is it funding that you need? It sounds like you've got a great volunteer force, but do you need more? Uh, Oh, we always need, we always need more. I could speak for this entire sector, right? Yeah, which we, we poorly name nonprofit, but most of us are trying to say we call it the social sector, right? We all need it. We did a strategic plan and we've got these levers that we need to grow to continue to push out our mission, right? And it's always outreach. There's always, for us, it's always outreach of identifying medically eligible kids that really could benefit from a wish. But I'm going to tell you, I'll, I'll give it specifically for make wish, but I will tell you this is these categories go for any any other nonprofit organization. So it's outreach. For us, we rely on volunteers and all kinds of volunteers, right? People who work in the, want to do administrative work in the office, people who want to work at our fundraising events, people who want to help our teams out doing, we have these little bags for when kids are going to get their wish, right? With itineraries and some, oh. some make-a-wish swag kind of thing. We need yeah. help packing those. We often need people to write just lots of thank you notes. Yeah. Just if we, you know, something like that. So we always need volunteers. All of us, all of us regularly need cash because most of us are relying purely on, I mean, we rely purely on philanthropy to do this work. Others that may have fees or even government granting or or grants, it's never covering the whole amount of freight, right? If we want to try something new and, you know, if you're in the for-profit world, you build a budget and you fund it. Right. You know, you're going to have some loss in starting a business line. Well, in the nonprofit sector, you don't have that. In fact, you get judged if you're spending money and you fail. So cash or or equivalents, (laughs) we're a big in kind organization. So when I was telling you about the little guy with the backyard or even Micah's mural, lots of people are donating paint, donating time. They're a contractor or they're a painter or services. Yeah. I will say for a a lot of our wishes, particularly like our travel wishes, uh, they always start with a limo ride to the airport. In fact, I got to tell you, I hear so much about the limo ride. I really, if I were smart, I would invest in a limo company. But I haven't done that yet. So in the meantime, we do have a limo, a limo company that we work with and they will regularly give us a break on the rides. Now we're a good customer. And so maybe they would do that anyway, but so it's, you know, it's things like that or people donate airline money. 
It's like travel is coming back for us. Boy, do we need airline miles. And then I think the other thing that we all, and, and again, we all need this, um, is telling that story, telling our story to people who don't know us, telling your story to people who they think they know us, right? Like I have a very recognizable brand, and yet most people don't know, as as you pointed out earlier, don't know that these are not last wishes. The majority of these are not last right. wishes. But helping tell that and introducing and kind of walking in partnership with us. All right. Rapid fire. Oh, this made me nervous. <laughs> okay. I'm sure you know the answers to all of these things. So favorite holiday. Thanks. All right. Um, what's the last great book that you read? Oh, I reread um, The Sun Also Rises by Ernest Hemingway. Oh, it classic. It was fabulous. I, I was reading in the New York Times book review and one of the authors, they were interviewing, you know, what's on your bedside. They always say, what's on your bedside table? Yeah. And I, I'm like them. I've got about 10 books. And this author said, The Sun Also Rises. And some of it was... In many ways with Hemingway, it's less about kind of what happens. It's more of that very careful and simple way that he writes. Yeah. That it's so easy to pick up, even if you're reading two pages, you're not getting lost or deciphering. It's very, there's a structure to it that uh, yeah. I appreciate. All right. If you had one wish, what would it be? Oh, gosh. This is the hardest question in the world. This can't be rapid fire because I have it every day. So joking, yeah. um, I will say a winning lottery ticket. All right. And for the reason that uh, I'm in the philanthropy business, I actually like to give money away. Yeah. And there are more things that I'd like to have a really big impact on. Yeah. But non-joking aside, I, I got to say, I mean, this sounds sort of, it sounds goofy or it sounds sort of like I'm trying to be Mother Teresa or something, but I would say peace in the world. Yeah. Because we spend so much time and money and resources fighting. Yeah. Fighting. Yeah. What's your favorite place to get away? I love to be in the water. Uh -uh. I'm I'm a Scorpio. So I love being in the water. So whether it's um, someplace sailing, whether it's at a beach, whether it's in a pool, it can't be more specific than that because I'm actually one of those people I don't like to go to the same place twice. Okay. And final question, because this is called your daily chocolate. What's your favorite chocolate? Oh, you know, I'm pretty easy on this one. <laughs> uh, I love just a simple Hershey kiss. Dark milk? Milk. Okay. Milk. No almonds. It's just, just, let's just keep it simple, original. I like, all, I like all kinds of, uh, I don't really love dark chocolate. Okay. But a little simple Hershey kiss sometimes, and you sometimes only need one. You can stop at one. I'm impressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Betsy, thanks for taking time and, and yeah, this is with fun. Us Thank and, you. And inspirational. And uh, we'll make sure that people know how to get in touch with you. Hey, thanks for joining me for the first episode of Your Daily Chocolate. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure you share it with others. After all, what good is a piece of chocolate if you can't enjoy it? with somebody else. Tune in next week. I've got an anecdote to tell you about a little incident I got into in Naples, Italy. I think you're gonna enjoy hearing it. Take care.